Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews to read there anytime at Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Before I get into today's review, I want to remind you of another podcast that I do covering films of the 1980s. Just search for Around the World in 80s Movies and you'll find it. Today I'm going to be looking at a film that is a sequel to the 2013 film by Guillermo del Toro that was budgeted at about $200 million, I think, for the production, and then it made only half of that at the U.S. box office. However, it was saved by the world box office, and China itself contributed the lion's share of that And I'm talking about Pacific Rim specifically. This is the sequel, Pacific Rim Uprising. comes out five years later. It's an action-sci-fi hybrid. It's PG-13 rated because of sequences of sci-fi violence and action and some language. And it runs an hour and 51 minutes. John Boyega is the main star. Scott Eastwood, Charlie Day are also in the film. Kaylee Spanik. Bern Gorman, Rinko Kikuchi also makes an appearance. Karen Brar from the TV show Bunked, which I know because my daughter loves that show. The director is Stephen S. DeKnight, and Stephen DeKnight also provides the screenplay along with Emily Carmichael, Kira Snyder, and T.S. Nolan. If you've heard of the name Stephen S. DeKnight, you know that he was once a TV writer, producer, also did some directing there, and specifically is famous for being the showrunner for the Netflix series Daredevil. Here he's taking his first turn at directing a feature film with Pacific Rim Uprising. This is a big-budget follow-up to the 2013 film. And not surprisingly, given that the film did have a lot of success in China, this sequel caters even more to the Chinese base of fans. It puts in actors that are popular in that country, Chinese actors, and there's a substantial percentage of this film that is also spoken in Mandarin as opposed to just being a completely English language dialogue film. This one's set 10 years after the events of the first century. We have John Boyega starring as Jake Pentecost. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he's playing the son of Pacific Rim's hero, Stacker Pentecost, who is played by Idris Elba in the first film. Stacker Pentecost sacrifices life in the Battle of the Breach that we saw in the first film to save the world as a commander who controls the robotic Jaeger fighters. Jake was once a hotshot Jaeger pilot himself, but without any more monstrous kaiju to battle. He's resorted to earning a living as a thief. He scrounges and steals junked Jaeger parts and sells them on the black market. One day, while he's scrapping to find more Jaeger parts, Jake meets an orphaned teenage Jaeger rebuilder and a self-made pilot named Amara. After they are captured in the middle of this Jaeger jacking crime, Jake and Amara choose Jaeger service over having to go to prison, with Jake joining his formal rival in Nate, played by Scott Eastwood, in training new recruits in the Pan-Pacific Defense Corps, the PPDC. Meanwhile, Amara has to go through that grueling training program in order to hone her raw skills, although flashbacks to a traumatic past begin to hamper her abilities to drift with success. That's the setup of the film. Eventually, we're introduced to a powerful Chinese corporation who vows to take the human factor out of the Jaeger controls because they have constructed their own line of Jaeger drones. We're reintroduced to Dr. Newton Geisler, a.k.a. Dr. Newt, he is a an employee, a right-hand man, really, in the company, the Chinese corporation. However, Dr. Newt seems to know more about the modus operandi of this rogue drone that's causing destruction of whatever and whoever stands in its way. 
I'm leaving out some parts of the plot because it's a little bit convoluted, but once you get through this basic setup, the story offers a couple of curveballs that allows the film to find the occasional groove as the story enters into the second half that emphasizes more action and destruction more so than anything else within the story. The theme of this film is the same as the first. There are things that threaten us all, humans and other forms of life here on Earth. It's up to all of us humans to get together regardless of our national or racial or political divisions. We have to get together and fight against those common foes primarily environmental, or we risk losing everything on Earth. Characterizations in this film are pretty generic, only elevated somewhat by some spirited performances from actors like John Boyega and Charlie Day. The latter reprises his twitchy role from the first film, albeit with a little bit more to play on here than mere comic relief. Characters are stock. As they were in the first movie, they're derived from comic book property-type boilerplates. That leaves the lion's share of the entertainment to watching the Jaeger versus Kaiju action splash across some very crumbly cityscapes in different parts of the world. With the only returning cast members relegated to Charlie Day and Byrne Gorman and Rinko Kikuchi in a very small role, Pacific Rim Uprising sometimes feels like a pilot to a TV spinoff by design. Maybe that's because of tonight's background in television. Except this one's given a very huge budget for the usual theater-shaking visual and sound effects. Along those lines, the very fluid physics that are involved in the size and the movement of the robotic Jaegers does inspire some awe when they're presented on the big screen. And the kaiju, when they eventually do appear toward the second half of the film, are a pretty gnarly-looking bunch of monsters, as you've seen and. It gets even more gnarly as it progresses. The destruction of the cities is very well rendered, often very realistic, except this being a PG-13 movie, Uprising lacks some of that palpable human terror that surely should occur if you're witnessing so much death and destruction in big cities around. It seems like the cities are completely devoid of humans most of the time with the exception of a few key shots mostly involving some of the supporting characters you know and unfortunately because of that the feeling that the world hangs in the balance it seems like a remote proposition to the thrust of the movie we don't see the human impact and we don't see a lot of the humans rooting on the the jaegers against the kaiju it just all feels like very sterile and very much in its own unique bubble that's somehow independent of what's going on in the rest of the world and that's kind of a liability when it comes to understanding the stakes at hand during the film's explosive climax. I think what's missing here, if you're a fan of the first film, is that sense of quirky oddness that I think Guillermo del Toro, who remains here, he has a producer credit, I don't know how involved he was, he provided a lot of that quirky oddness so well in the first film, and really reveled in the B-movie aspects from which he drew a lot of inspiration. And it was a dark movie, and it was rainy, and it was hard to tell what's going on, but it was still a very fun movie, to observe because of Del Toro's genre tinkerings, and he brought in an underlying environmental commentary on the escalating nature of natural disasters that have occurred because of rampant climate change. So you could really read a lot into that film. In its best scenes, Pacific Rim Uprising captures a little bit of the tongue-in-cheek qualities of that film, and it does dabble sometimes with relating something more underneath the surface, but I think the Knight's approach here is less assured than Del Toro's, maybe because he isn't as much of a fanboy of the kaiju genre as Del Toro is. He really lived and breathed that film, whereas the Knight is coming in and he's kind of trying to capture the essence of the first film, but not really being somebody who's very well-versed in the origin of Pacific Rim, I think he's delivering something that's maybe not quite as in tune. 
And as a writer, I don't think the knight seems to be very interested in building upon the themes of the first film and doesn't really engage into the subtle metaphorical storytelling that Del Toro is mostly known for. This is a sequel that I think is more of interest as a very bright and shiny visual effects driven action movie first and foremost. It's likely going to appeal more to those audiences a little bit more limited than the first one who really only want to see eye-popping displays of dazzling speed and big battle destruction that's peppered with comic book characterizations and dialogue in between. And unfortunately what that means is that Pacific Rim Uprising is content to settle more for uh, Transformers-style popcorn movie trappings than in any kind of layered commentary about the genre or in saying something more about the world at large. And given that the Transformers films also found a more welcome audience over time in China, in fact, most of the profits of the sequels to the Transformers films seem to be coming more and more from China and less and less from the United States. So it's no surprise that given the first film's box office receipts, from China really are the main drive to even make a sequel to begin with, as well as the market for this robot destruction porn that evidently exists because of the Transformers films. I think the makers of this follow-up just decided to embrace those who made the sequel even possible by giving them more of what they think they want. And alas, that means that audiences that really liked the 2013 original precisely because it was more than just a dumb rock'em sock'em robot versus monster battle royale are going to be disappointed that the series has actually become just that. And as such, the film itself has become, I guess, if you want to draw a metaphor here, it's like the new drone Jaegers. It pushes more toward technological achievements and far less humanity is going to be found within. So the more po- the most positive thing I can say about Pacific Rim Uprising is that it is a good-looking film, and I think it really is on the level of the first film in terms of delivering the special effects and the action. But outside of that, it starts getting to be very generic in its plot, and it feels very much like a derivative film, not only just of the first film, but of what everybody else is doing out there. And as such, it's also very instantly forgettable. So I can't give this film very high ratings, unfortunately, even though I didn't particularly dislike the film on any level. It's just a very forgettable film. So I'm going to give Pacific Rim two stars out of four. Two stars on my scale means that I do feel that this is a film that's lacking something really critical that's going to keep it from being a recommendable movie for me. What it's really lacking here is any kind of reason to come back for more other than just special effects. And unfortunately, there are special effects movies coming out every week here now from now until the end of summer. So it's just going to get lost in the shuffle. And you're not going to even, even if you go see this movie in the theater, you're probably not going to remember it. Once the next few blockbusters come out, you might not even remember much about it tomorrow. There's really not that much to talk about other than the fact that you spent two hours sitting there and maybe being mildly entertained by some of what goes on. And that's definitely not encouraging enough for me to be able to tell anybody to go out and see this film unless you really like the first film strictly for the action and not necessarily for much else beyond that. So two stars out of four is unfortunately the most I can give Pacific Rim Uprising. So until next time, thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. Click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and I'll be back soon enough with more reviews of films that are out in the theater. And if you want more of my reviews, including my take of the original film, you can find that at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net.